We've been for some weeks now on the subject of uh, receiving a full reward. Anybody remember any of that? Our texts are in Revelation, the book of Revelation, and uh, 11, 17, and then over in chapter 22. Revelation 11, 17 says, this is uh, John by the Spirit looking into the future, and this is our future. He said, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, who are and was and are to come, because you've taken to you of your great power and reigned. The nations were angry. Your wrath has come in the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should give reward to your servants, the prophets, and to the saints and them that fear your name, small and great. Now, there's coming a time when what's happening now will be no more. The Lord's coming and there is going to be in the future the, uh, the judgment. And there will be a time when the Lord gives his people reward. Not just a few. Who's going to get reward? The prophets. You might think that. Saints. You might think that. But did you know what you are? Well, I'm no saint. Then you need to get saved. (laughs) Oh, I'm saved. Then you're a saint. No, no. I'm no angel. You got that right. You never were. Never will be. That'd be a demotion for you. The Bible said we will judge angels. Angels are sent to minister for us. No, you don't want to become an angel. (laughs) But you're a saint, not because of the perfect way you live, but because the Lord Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He has made us holy by his blood. The best we could ever live couldn't get us there. You can't be holy by your efforts. That wasn't enough. Would never be enough. But Jesus with his sacrifice purchased for us once and for all time eternal redemption. Come on, somebody say, I've been made holy by the blood of the Lamb. And that's what it means to be a saint. Men cannot make you a saint. You cannot make yourself a saint. You can receive what the Lord has done for you. And if you'll notice the letters, I mean, if you don't believe you're a saint, you should stop reading most of the New Testament because it's not to you. Have you read the beginning? To the saints at the church at Rome. To the saints in Corinth. Well, if you ain't a saint, it's not for you. No, you is one. Somebody say, I I am one. (laughs) You you am one what? How did you become a saint? How in the world did you become a saint? By the blood of the Lamb, you have been made. Somebody say made. Made. That's not not earned, not deserved. You have been made holy by the blood. And so he said in this this verse that not just uh, prophets, saints, and to them that fear your name, small and great. That's everybody. Go to the 22nd chapter, 22.12. Revelation 22.12, last chapter, some of the last words In the New Testament, the Lord said, Behold, look, I'm coming quickly. How many believe it? Somebody said, Well, that's been centuries and centuries ago. Yeah. You're sooner now than it was. Is that right? (laughs) Later now than it's been. Well, and, and Peter talked about that in the last days. There would be scoffers who would say, Look, all this time has passed and nothing's changed. You know, in other words, he's not coming. Oh, he's coming. He's coming. Peter brings out, though, by the Spirit of God, that with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. So to him, he's only been waiting a couple of days. 
So if he comes, how many would think if you come within a week, you came pretty quickly? Is that right? Well, that means we got another, what? Four or five thousand years? No, time with God is not like we might think. And of course, you know, if it was just 500 years, that's too long for us. We'll we'll live our life. We'll be out of here. But he said, I'm coming. And when he comes, he wants us to know something. My reward is with me. I'm coming. I'm coming, children. And I'm bringing you something. I got you something. (laughs) I told you uh, earlier in this series that when my brother and I were younger, my dad worked out of town. So he'd work out of town most of the week and then he'd come in on the week. He'd come in on Friday nights. And we so looked forward to him coming in. (laughs) What you laughing about? (laughs) Because we... uh, (laughs) We wanted to see him, of course, of course, but we knew he brought something with him. When he came, he'd stop by the foot-long chili dog place that was on the way, and he'd bring us some foot-long chili dogs. And so he was coming, but he brought something with him, too. <laughs> well, the Lord said he's coming, but he's bringing something better than a chili dog. Do you believe it? Do you believe he's bringing something for you? You. You and me, every one of us. What? He said, I'm I'm bringing my reward to give you with me. To give to every man according as his work shall be. Now, when I was out of the country this past fall, the Lord quickened to me what got me started on this series after I got back. And so it's good for you that I leave town once in a while. (laughs) It really is. A lot of the things that I've gotten, I've I've been other places when the Lord gave them to me. and, And I didn't preach on them there, but they were for another time. And the Lord gave me this phrase. He said, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me very distinctly. He said, our righteousness isn't based on what we do. Our reward is based on what we do. Our righteousness, just like we were talking earlier, our holiness, our righteousness is not based on our performance or what we have done or are doing or will do. Jesus did this for us. And you just receive the free gift of grace and righteousness by faith. So our righteousness isn't based on what we do. But our reward is based on what we do. Whether we go to heaven or hell is not based on our performance down here in this life. That's just based on you receiving what Jesus did for you. And, you know, there's no set of heavenly scales at the so-called pearly gate with St. Peter. Where you show up And he looks you up and down and they put your good works on one side of the scale and see if you got enough to get you in. That's a myth that is not true, that has nothing to do with reality. It's not how good we are that determines us going to heaven. It's not how much you've done for the poor. It's not how much charity work you've done. It's not how kind you've been. These are all great things. But none of that determines whether you're saved or not. Whether you go to heaven or not. That's entirely based on what Jesus has done. And you and I receiving that. Is that right? You've got to receive it by faith for yourself. So our righteousness isn't based on what we do. But our reward that he's talking about bringing with him is based on what we do in this life. And the more we learn about it, it should stir us up. It should make us want to do more. You believe it, saints? It should make us want to do more. Uh, Turn with me, please, to Matthew, the sixth chapter. 
We began with this some time back. I tell you what, uh, let's do it this way. Go to uh, 2 John first. Then we'll make our way to uh, Matthew. 2 John 8 is one of the verses the Lord gave me when he gave me that phrase. 2 John, just one chapter, verse 8. He said, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. That we receive a full reward. Let me read some other translations. The BBE, the, the basic English says, keep watch over yourselves so you do not make our work of no effect, but may get your full reward. Why would he need to use the word full? Can you do things that would prevent you from getting a full reward? In that case, you would have gotten a partial reward. I don't care for the sound of that, do you? (laughs) Who wants a partial reward? Let me see. (laughs) That'd be no reward, yes, but but how many would rather have a full reward? Is that all up to God? Apparently not. He said you need to watch yourself. So this is something that's that's in our court. Something we have control over. That determines whether we get all the reward we should have gotten. Or whether we come short and receive only a partial reward. Let me read this to you from the CEV. Complete English version says. Be sure not to lose What we have worked for. Now Paul's including himself in this. He's talking about the work. The Lord used him to do. In their lives. In planting the churches. And teaching and ministering. And preaching to them. He says you don't want to lose. What we have worked for. To get built and accomplished. And in verse 8 CEV says. If you do. You won't be given your full reward. You won't be given your full reward. So what's going to determine us getting our full reward? Now we've talked about this already for I don't know how many sessions this is now. So it's not like we hadn't touched on this before. Everything we've been talking about answers this question. But let's review just a little bit. Matthew 6 was one of the first passages we looked at in talking about this. I want to read it again and let's emphasize what the difference is. Matthew 6 verse 1. And this is Jesus speaking himself. The master told us this himself. Take heed. Now hold on. Does that sound like the verse we just read? Take heed or watch out. Watch yourself. Take heed. Help your neighbor. Look at him and say, watch out. (laughs) Take heed. What, what does that mean to us? What, what if you're leaving the parking lot and I saw you and I said, watch out, around the corner down there there's a big hole, big pothole in the road. What, what do I mean? How should you take that? Well, that's nice. Brother Keith told me to watch out. That is so nice. <laughs> no, I want you to miss the hole. Is that right? Save the suspension on your car. Not spill your coffee. Not hurt yourself. Right? So when the Lord tells us watch out. Why do we go? Isn't that sweet? Yeah the Lord. He cares about us. Yeah he wants you to miss the hole. Or whatever it is he's telling you. Watch out about. Take heed. That you don't do your alms before men. To be seen of them. Otherwise what? You're going to come short of reward. So what would cause you not to get a full reward? Motives. Heart. Come on, can you see that? And the thing about that, nobody knows that except God. We can see what you do. We can hear what you say. But we don't know why you're doing that. We don't know your real motivation. 
God does. I said he does. He sees the heart. He knows the heart. The psalmist said, my thoughts he knows afar off. (laughs) He sees your thoughts coming before you got them formed. (laughs) He said, there's not a word in my mouth, but you know it all together. Before you form your mouth to get that word out, he knows it's coming. He saw it in your heart. He saw it forming. We're not used to dealing with somebody like that in in this life. We're we're used to people not really knowing what we're thinking or what our heart is. And, And this world is so full of phony and so full of deception that you can get tainted by it and participate in some of it and barely even recognize it. And people around you barely even recognize it because they're all tainted by it. But God is not fooled. <laughs> you, you cannot, you know, smoke and mirror him. Right? You, you cannot hide your real intent before you knelt down to pray. He knows where you're coming from. He knows what you're about to say. He knows where you're about to go. And so an exercise with us should be continually, every time we open our mouth to talk to him, every time we talk, open our mouth to say anything about his things or, or pray, and it should affect our dealings with each other, we should exercise ourselves to be completely sincere. Completely genuine. Completely real. Zero fake. Zero phony. And absolutely zero deception. There is, I don't know of anything, more devilish than a lie. I don't know of anything more devilish than a lie and deception. God, the scripture said, hates it. Didn't say he hated liars. He hates lying. A lie. You should hate it too. And we've all made mistakes. I mean, it'd be hard to find a person in this building or online or in Branson that has never told a lie. That's not a good thing. You can't change the past. What you can do is change your heart. And say, I'm done with it. I'm done with lying. I'm done with it. Because if you practice it in business, if you practice it on the job, it's going to carry over into your personal life, into other things. And so many times people don't realize it, but because they do all this phony stuff so much, when they go to pray into God, they use a phony voice, they use a phony... (laughs) accent oh father oh and they start using Elizabethan English thou art my very own oh wouldest thou couldest thou that's not you and if you're phony he's not even going to hear it he won't even pay attention to it he won't even listen to it because he knows you're full of baloney You know what I mean by that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't like baloney. Somebody says, I, okay, great. I'm not knocking baloney, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Hold your place and go with me to, uh, I believe it's 1 Samuel. Thanks be to God. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 1 Samuel 16 and 7. When uh, the Lord told Jesse, To go anoint, excuse me, Samuel, to go anoint one of Jesse's sons as king, he did, and they brought out all the boys in front of him, and and, uh, the eldest, and they were tall and fine specimens of of men, and the Lord, he he went through every one of them, and, and the Lord said, no, the Lord hadn't accepted him, the Lord rejected him, no, 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 and finally he said, uh, you got any more boys? (laughs) Yeah, we got one. He's out in the out in the woods, you know, he's a wild child. He's, <laughs> he's dead eye with a slingshot. And 
He's always playing his music loud. (laughs) He said, well, we're not going to sit down until he comes. And he said in 1 Samuel 16, 7, he said, uh, the Lord said to Samuel, talking about the first eldest son there of uh, Jesse's, don't look on his countenance, don't look on the height of his stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. This is one of the greatest lessons we could ever learn. That's always what he's looking at. We can get, you know, so caught up with appearances. And in this phony world, appearances are more emphasized than reality. I mean, this world's greatest heroes, some of them, are the best pretenders. Right? And millions of people in the world have changed their house of worship from a church to a movie theater. They wouldn't dare make the effort or spend a couple of hours going to church. But they on a regular basis will spend two, three, four hours in a theater. And I'm not saying you can't ever see a movie, but it shouldn't be a replacement for God. Right? And the people you respect the most shouldn't be people that you know nothing about except they're very good at pretending. Because the Bible said the devil himself is a pretender. He is the greatest actor there's ever been and he transforms himself into an angel of light. His favorite role is angel of light. And he puts himself into it to such a degree he's been practicing his craft for millennia. He has fooled so many people that things were from God when it was actually him. The devil never comes as the devil. Never. If you're looking for something in a red suit and a pitchfork and horns, you're looking for the wrong thing. He's going to come as an angel of light. He's going to come and tell you God sent him. How did we get into all that? What does God look at? Help me out. Not the facade. Not the front. Not the exterior. Man looks that way. Man looks on the outward appearance and definitely There's a lot of judging the book by its cover going on. Not God. God sees through all of it. He sees through your hairstyle, your fashion choices. Come on, y'all with me. Whether you're a little thin or a little the other way or or any of that, what does he look at? He's not looking at the outside and going, my, he needs to comb his hair. Man. She needs to do this. man. No, no, no. He goes right past all that and he looks down inside you. And he sees you can't hide from him. I can't hide from him. We should stop trying. All things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do, the scripture says. He sees it. He knows it. So why would we want to be phony in front of him when we know He can tell. (laughs) That's just dumb. Right? And I tell you, there's a lot of comfort in there too. I know there's been times I've made mistakes. You too. I know the same kind of thing. But I thought, you know, I'm kicking myself thinking, dummy, dummy. How how many times you got to make this same mistake before you catch on and, and learn? And I've had the Holy Spirit comfort me. And speak to my heart. And the father tell me son. I was looking at your heart. Through that. And even though you made a mistake externally. It was ignorant. And I'm not saying all of them are ignorant. But that one was. Uh, Your heart was right. Before me through that whole thing. 
you made some mistakes of the head. That blessed me. I thought he was looking at my heart. Other people might have saw my dumb mistake, but God saw my heart. He knew I was trying to do the right thing. Now, on the other hand, you can pretend your heart's okay and it not be. And you can say, well, the Lord knows my heart. He sure does. (laughs) And that's not always a good thing. (laughs) He knows when it ain't right. You can do a wrong thing with a right heart. You can also do a right thing with a wrong heart. Wrong thing. Either way. Your heart can be wrong and you're doing right things for the wrong reasons. Or God's looking for heart that's expressed in the right. Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Let's go back to where we were. Matthew 6. Said out loud, the Lord looks at the heart. So what he's saying, take heed that you don't do your arms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward. Verse 2, this whole passage, we won't take time to read it, but this whole passage deals with this. When you do your alms, don't sound a trumpet like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. All the reward they get is what people notice about them. That's not enough. Verse 4, he said, uh, let your alms be done in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He said, verse 6, when you pray, enter your closet and pray to your father in secret. Your father which sees in secret shall reward you openly as opposed to standing on the street corner and praying real loud where people can notice you. We're answering the question, what would prevent you from receiving a full reward? Doing things that were right, but the heart's not there, would prevent receiving a full reward. Because here, did you notice, they gave to people in need. But he said they're not going to get any reward. Is that possible? Even give large amounts. To people in need. And get zero reward. Did he say it or not? If you're giving for the wrong reason. If you're just giving to be seen of men. Praying. Is it possible to pray. And get no reward out of it? Yeah. If you're praying just to be religious. If your heart's not there. Then the reward won't be forthcoming. Hallelujah. Well, let's get more clarity on it. Go to Colossians, please. Second chapter, 18th verse. Colossians 2.18 says, Let no man beguile you of your reward. Talks about going off into worship of angels and things that you shouldn't be involved in. Beguile you of your reward. The new century says don't let anyone disqualify you. Look at Colossians 3.24. Just a page over or so. 3.23 I should say. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do. Do it what? Heartily. As to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward. Receive what? What's connected to receiving the reward? Your heart. Do it heartily or from the heart or with your heart, knowing that of the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I know when we first started the church at Branson, and then the same thing happened again when we started the church at Sarasota. There were a number of people that showed up and said they they wanted to help, they wanted to do things. We had some people tell us the Lord sent them to be over our accounting department. And we had never met them. <laughs> and they're still not over the accounting department. And, and some, sometimes people that do have 
skills and do have a lot of experience, but oftentimes they've assumed because they have 20 years experience or 40 years experience that you will automatically put them in that position because a lot of people, the only churches they've gone to are churches that required nothing of them. And if they were willing to serve, they could do it any way they wanted to, you know, because they were just so glad that somebody is willing to serve and and not try to give them any correction or direction because they might quit and they might leave. And then we got nobody uh, helping. That's not okay. I know the first uh, in Branson, the first services we had, we, we had nothing, you know. Uh, we're starting from scratch. And some people that had just come from another church, uh, let me see, I don't know exactly what the detail was, but there were about four or five of them that could sing and play, and they said they'd be available to uh, sing and play in our service. And it was great. So they did the first couple of services. And, but uh, the next week I'm praying about how to set up the church, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, if you're always giving in to people, Who's leading this? If you're always giving in to people, who's leading this? I thought, well, it wouldn't be me. He said, if I'd have wanted them leading it, I could have put them in the leadership place. He said, you'll be accountable to me for how this goes. If you let somebody take it the wrong direction, you'll still be accountable to me because I put you in the leadership position. I took that seriously. <laughs> I pondered that that week. And I thought, man, I got I to gotta watch this. And so they came to me and they said, we want to do this. And, and I said, no. They said, no. I said, no, I'm sorry. That's not the direction we have. Well, you tell it didn't set well. A day or two later, the same group came back and said, well, we want to do it like this. And, and I said, no. Mm. And uh, about the third time, they delegated one of them to come talk to me and said, now, you're not going to let us do it the way that we want to do this, then we can't do it. And I said, well, uh, I'm sorry, but, but no. And they said, well, we're leaving. And I said, uh, okay. They didn't know. I just had a conversation with God just a couple of days ago, right? And see, he knew these things were coming up. And he knew he, he had to get something strong in me. And uh, I said, no. Well, they left. And so I did the music myself. All by myself. <laughs> and uh, thank God other people came in. But what the Lord w- w- had me looking for, the heart must be right and must be willing. It's not enough that they want to do something or that they want to be in the ministry or want to do something in the church. That's not enough. you got to have a willing willing heart. And if you don't respect the leadership enough to submit to the direction, then you don't respect it enough to be there. Right? If you don't believe God put them there, if you do believe God put them there, you need to pray for them. That they'll get the right direction and right things and then you need to believe that he's answering that prayer. And when you get direction through them or through their delegates, you want to go that way. And even if you don't understand it, because the Lord won't show everybody always the whole thing. He'll show this one parts and this one parts. You have to take it by faith. But the heart matters. I had a guy one time played uh, an instrument for me on the platform. This was before the churches. And he, you talk about a musician. This guy, tremendous, tremendous musician. Skill off the chart. And he kept being late. He'd be late, late. And finally, the Lord quickened him. He said, you, you cannot tolerate this. I didn't want to confront him. I didn't want to lose him. Right? But with the Lord, what's the most important thing? Come on, help me out. It's the heart. And he knew there was a heart issue. See, when you're being disrespectful, there's a heart problem. So I, I had already mentioned to him, you know, we want to be on time. We, we don't want to do this. We want to be on time. And he had ignored it. That's disrespect. So finally, I told him, I, I called him to the side. I said, uh, I said, man, I love you. You're one of the best players I've ever had. I said, but um, if you're late again, I'm going to take you off the team. He looked at me aghast. He said, 
I'm the best player you got. Is that the main thing? No. I said, is that the main thing? No. The most experience. The most, is that what God is looking for? No. The most experience, the most skilled, the most talented. No. Is that what God is looking for? Come on, everybody with me or not? We just got through reading the verse. Man looks at those things. The outward appearance. Not God. What's God looking at? God can take somebody with no talent and give them all kind of talent. Do you believe it or not? What he does have a challenge finding is people with the right heart that are teachable, correctable, respectful, honoring, obedient. That's what you don't find everywhere in this ungodly world. Well, thank God he, he took it seriously and he wasn't late again. Thank you. Well, it's better than the other way, isn't it? You know? But as a leader, we must not misrepresent the Lord to people and tell them, you know, indicate he's okay with you not making his things priority. He's okay with a sloppy job and a whatever attitude. How many think we ought to do the very best? We know how to do and leave God to do better. Take it up to an even higher level. You believe it or not, saints? Well, it's easy to nod your head and say yes, but where do you apply this? I'm talking about you. When and where do you apply this? Where are you serving? Who are you submitting to? What direction are you following? Right? Life is short. You need to be somewhere hooked. If we're not your cup of tea, quit messing around here. Go find it and get in with both feet. If this is where you're supposed to be, don't mess around. Get in with both feet. Serve with your time, your effort, and your money. What qualifies you to do so? What qualifies you? The heart. The heart. Does that affect your finances and material realm? Anybody remember Isaiah 1? If you be willing, willing and obedient, what will happen to you? You'll what? Eat the good of the land. That affects your life. Brother Hagin said, Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, he traveled on the road for years. Excuse me. He pastored for years, and then he traveled for years. But when he first left the church's pastoring, after I think it was 12 years, and went out on the road, he didn't have a salary as a pastor. He didn't have parsonage provided. He didn't have some things like he had had before. And he's going in the hole financially every month. He's selling things. And, and he said after a while of this, he's seeking the Lord earnestly and fasting, saying, Lord, this is not right. I did what you told me to do. I left the pastorate. I'm out here on the road. But we're, we're going in the hole. My kids don't have adequate clothes I don't have what I need, you know, for home while I'm gone. I don't have a decent car to travel in. He eventually sold his car for uh, salvage <laughs> because he's just getting worse and worse. And he said after three days seeking the Lord like that, the Lord spoke to him and said the problem is he kept quoting the Lord that verse, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. He kept quoting that to the Lord. He said, the Lord said, you keep quoting that to me. He said, the problem is you don't qualify. He said, I don't qualify. I did, Lord. I left my church. I left that security and that stability. I went out on the road. He said, yes, you did, but you weren't willing. You're still not willing. Can you do something and not be willing? Have an attitude about it. Like you told your young child, go take out the trash. <laughs> Drag it with a hole. And, is it good enough that they did it? No. It's not. It's not with the Lord. Just because you did it is not good enough. Because what's he looking at? He's not looking for your talent, your skill, your performance. What's he looking at? He's looking at your heart. That's where your attitude comes from your heart. He said, you don't qualify. You're unwilling. He said, when he said it, Brother Hagin said he knew it was true. He thought, oh, 
He said, but I also know it don't take long to get willing. Right. <laughs> he, said, he said, I made an adjustment. I said, Lord, I'm willing now. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing now. Yeah. You know it. The devil knows it. I'm willing. And sure enough, the Lord began to turn things around for him materially and financially. Does it make a difference? Yes, yes. It, does. it makes all the difference. All the difference. Go with me to, let me see, Matthew 21. Then, I think we'll go to 1 Corinthians 9, and then it'll be lunchtime. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Somebody say, willing heart, willing heart. The further Phyllis and I have gone, the more we see this. Heart attitudes are the most important thing in serving God. And that's what we're on the watch for. And whether it's somebody giving of time or resources, we don't receive all offerings necessarily. There have been offerings we did not receive. And um, it's because we discern the heart wasn't right. You know, you can't buy the blessing of the Lord. Is that right? And you shouldn't try to buy influence or special favor uh, naturally. And um, with the Lord, it's always about a heart. And the thing that's beautiful to him is a meek and a quiet spirit, a humble and a respectful and honoring heart and mind and a willingness to do what you know pleases him and follow him all the way. And that's a choice. That's a decision. Just because you start out with a stinky attitude doesn't mean you have to stay there the rest of the day. As soon as you realize it, you can, if you will, you can change. You can do what Brother Hagin said. He said, I, don't tell me it takes all day to get willing, he said. He said, I, I made an adjustment in my heart, and I, I stopped being unwilling. I know when we left, we'd been in Tulsa for 20 years and had finally got a house and a place we'd believing for and finally got a hangar and an airplane, and we were set up to travel, and, and uh, you know, it took 20 years to get there, and the Lord dealt with us, leave it all, go to Branson, kind of start over, you know. And I'll be honest with you, Phyllis had just got her kitchen that she had always wanted, and, and we had just gotten moved in and settled a little bit, and, and uh, I was a little bit unwilling to just can that and leave, start over from scratch. I didn't say it. I didn't confess I'm unwilling, but I was reluctant. Anybody know what I mean by that? What's reluctant? That's a degree (laughs) of unwilling. And so I just kind of avoided talking about it and just kind of tried to drag it out a little bit, you know. You've heard me talk about this. I, I was shaving one morning and the Lord knew my heart. And he said, uh, Keith, do you believe I can do better for you than this? I put my razor down. I said, yes, sir, I do. I knew what he's talking about. He knew. I knew that he knew. I had I'd been a little unwilling. I said, yes, sir, I do believe that. And I'm through wavering about this. Here we go. I'm in. You want me to go. You want us to go. We are going. Put up my hanger. It sold. Boom. That week. <laughs> we, we, we did this. We liquidated this. We, we put our house up for sale. And, and most of what we had, we put it into the church. Starting that church, we had no congregation. And a week or two after we were in Branson, the Lord said, I'm going to give you the best of Branson. Hallelujah. And he has. He has. We got 71 acres right there on the strip. They built us a new airport. A new airport. We got a a house that overlooks the lake. Somebody say glory to God. 
the best. The best. Does it sound familiar? If you be willing. If you be what? Willing. Willing. And. and It doesn't start with obedience. It starts with. You can be obedient and not be willing. Are we still talking about receiving a full reward? Yeah, we are. Look in Matthew. Matthew 21. 28. 21, 28, Matthew. He said, uh, Jesus said, what do you think? (laughs) A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. Well, that's plain. Isn't it? Son, go work today in my vineyard. He said, I'm not going to do it. Is that a stinky attitude? Is that unwillingness and disobedience? But, everybody say but, but. But afterward. Do you know the main thing is not what you do, but what you wind up doing after? What you wind up doing last? You can start off so bad. You can start off the morning with a lousy attitude. Don't have to, but it's possible. Does that mean you have to be a stinker the rest of the week? (laughs) Does it mean you have to rain on everybody's parade? Huh? And be a downer the rest of the day and night. Can you start off wrong and change? Come on, can you do it? Get it right. Afterward, he repented. Can you repent? Repent. Repent means change. And repent involves a heart change. And if the heart's changed, the actions will change. I will not, but afterward he went, he repented, and he went. Verse 30. He came to the second son. He told him, same thing, go and work today in my vineyard. And uh, he said, yes, sir, I'm going. And what? Never left. Now, what good is that? Oh, it sounds good. He committed in church. He signed up on the sheet. But then something came up. He got sleepy. He slept in. His favorite game was on. Something happened. And he just never got around to it. Why why did he say he's going? I'm going, sir. 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 It's respectful. But he went not. Jesus said, verse 31, whether of these two did the will of my father. Come on, help me out. Which one? The stinky attitude guy. Is that right? The stinky attitude. How many understand? I will not. That's rebellious, isn't it? That's defiant. That's rebellious. No, sir. No, sir, in his. He said, I will not. No, you can't make me. I will not. Is the one who did the will of God. And I can say it like this. And got the full reward. Can you see this? The guy or the girl. That started with a stinky attitude. And a smart mouth. Don't look around. Just look straight ahead. Don't, Don't look around. Look straight ahead. The smart mouth. How many said, I will not? That's, that's smart mouth. That's attitude. That's defiance. That's rebellion. I will not. This is to your father who's in charge of the, the farm. He said, he said, go work in the vineyard today. He said, I ain't going. <laughs> no. But his father left. He went to go do whatever he's going to do to do his own thing. And his heart bothered him. Come on, y'all with me, friends. His heart bothered him. He thought, I, I shouldn't have said that. 
I shouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have a house. I wouldn't have anything to play and do with if it wasn't for daddy and, and this and our vineyards and our, our place. I repent. I'm going. He went and put his work clothes on. Got himself to work. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the other boy. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, I'm going. I'm going all the way. I'm going all. <laughs> all the way. I'm going all the Oh. Shouting and shaking. I'm going. I'm going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When are you going to go? Well, not, not right now. But, but I'm going. I'm going. Going on. Let's sing that going song again. Going. I'm going. 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 When are you going to go? Uh, not right now. And did you know the enemy is happy enough with not right now? Because if you keep doing not right now, he knows you'll run out of time. You don't have unlimited time. He's perfectly happy with not right now. Because days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years. And you look up one day and you say not right now and you realize it's not going to be ever because I'm leaving. My life, my time is done. Just because you start off wrong doesn't mean you have to stay there. You can repent. I can repent. We can make an adjustment in our heart and then you qualify to eat the good of the land. Okay, I told you one more verse. 1 Corinthians 9. Give you a little extra today. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. He said, Paul said, Spirit of God through him, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is to me if I preach not the gospel. If you got a call on your life, and I shouldn't say that that way, all of us have a call on our life, but a specific call that you do not acknowledge or pursue, you will still give an account for that call after this life, even though you didn't do anything with it. And Phyllis and I realized, you know, some years ago, decades ago, thank God for his mercy, that we had a call to ministry on our life. Now, You've seen us and known us as preachers and ministers, but there was a time when we were none of this. I had a dream of being a successful, full contact martial artist, which is quite different than what (laughs) what we we do now. (laughs) I spent my days learning and practicing techniques. And working on bags and sparring and learning forms. And I was ready to travel to uh, Okinawa and and other places to train. And God got a hold of uh, us at age uh, 17, 18. And um, I didn't know what, but I knew he wanted us to do something. If we had not answered the call for ministry, our life would be so different. We, out of the will of God, not doing this ministry, it would not have been a good life. Uh, I wonder if we'd still be together or if we would be alive. You understand what I'm saying? The path of the righteous, the, the plan of God, gets brighter and brighter. There's another path, and it's broad, and a lot of people go that way, but it leads to destruction. And death. You go through all kind of things you should have never gone through. And so he said, I got a call to preach this gospel, but it's nothing for me to brag about because necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I don't preach this. Whether people want to hear it or not, that's one thing preachers need to realize. 
Whether people like you or they don't like you, you better do what God told you to do or it's not going to go well for you. This is not a popularity contest. And in time to come, you're not going to stand before crowds or public opinion. You're going to stand before the Lord, just you, nobody else around, on that moment and give an account for what you did with the opportunities that he gave us. He said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He knew, I've got to do this if I want to have any kind of life or any kind of happy or joy or any any blessing past this life. Verse 17, for if I do this thing, what? If I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. Come on, say it out loud. If I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. Come on, say it again. Let's say it together. If I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. Why would you say it that way? Because if you don't do it willingly, of course, you know if you don't do it, you wasn't willing, (laughs) obviously. You don't get a reward. And if you did it, but you didn't do it willingly, we know you're going to get Sometimes no reward. We, we read about that in Matthew 6 about praying and, and giving to people in need. But your heart wasn't right. He said there's no reward in that. Or uh, slightly better, you get some partial reward because you were partly willing part of the time. How do we get the full reward? Come on, any, can anybody help me? We've been on this for an hour, right? How you got to be whole-hearted towards him. Did the Lord say in Revelation, I wish you were cold or hot? Right. Is that right? Yes. Not lukewarm, playing with it. Get in or get out. Do it or don't. And if you're doing it, do it because you want to be here. Right? And do it with your whole heart. This is big to God, friends. I'm telling you, other people will let you skate as long as you show up. And you can come and you can grumble and you can gripe and you can fault fine and you can do all this stuff. And people will let you get by with that. God won't. He won't. He'll just say, I don't accept that. Not because it wasn't good in the natural, but because your heart messed it up. We should come to church because we want to come to church. Is that right? We give because we want to give. We pray because we want to pray. We read our chapters because we want to read our chapters. We serve on teams because we want to serve on teams. Come on, is that right? Nobody is twisting my arm, making me obey God. I'm going to Spain because I want to go to Spain. I'm going to enjoy it. Come on, you are with me? Then I'm going to Africa because I want to go to Africa. We have, we've had people at school asking us, you going where? You go on where? Because a lot of the big corporate flight departments, they don't go to some of these places. But we do. They, we just come back from Samoa. You know, they, said, they said, you went where? You know how far that is? We go, yeah, we went there. <laughs> it's a little island out in the middle of the vast Pacific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Somebody said out loud, like these are the words of Jesus himself. Said out loud, I delight, I delight to do your will. To do your will. Oh, God. Can that be more than words yes. with us? Can that be more than words? I delight to do your will, oh God. Stand on your feet, everybody. That's, that's enough for now. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We shouldn't uh, beg people to do things for the Lord. They have to be willing or it's not even acceptable to Him. It's a privilege to do anything for the Lord. Is that right? It's a privilege and an honor to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. It's a privilege to clean the Lord's carpet and seats. Come on, is, is it true or not? It's a privilege to do anything for a fellow believer at the direction of the Lord. Let's close our eyes. Let's hold up our hands. Lift up our hearts. Remember, it's the Lord knows if it's real or not. So in all sincerity, say it out loud to Him, Father God. Father God I, am yours. I am yours. You made me. You made me. 
you gave me life, life. breath, Breath. and all things, and And I rejoice rejoice. in belonging to you, belonging to to your family, family. being a child of yours. yours. And as much as I know, I I say it by faith. I am willing to be willing. I'm willing to do your will, O God, to pursue, to accomplish all that pleases you. Work in me to will and to do of all your good pleasure. Work in me. Perfecting what concerns me, making me perfect in every good work to do what pleases you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.